I'm rebooted into Mac OS for the first time in like a week. It's like, <laughs> oh, my old friend. <laughs> I, I missed you. It's okay. Zenos, you said you had, do you have one of the 2018 Mac minis? Uh, or is it an no, older it's, version? It's older than that. It's oh, the okay. one, it's the I one that the had, it's the one that had the screen issue. Like the, where the like bottom of the screen gets really dark. Oh, wait, what Mac mini? Oh, you, you, sorry, Mac mini. Yeah. Sorry. I, I don't know why I, my brain went <laughs> the wrong place there. Uh, yeah, I have, I think the latest one. I think so. <laughs> the Mac you mini has do. a screen issue. The screen's missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a general lack of screen. Yeah. Mine's is uh, the issue. Mine's the Plex server. Yeah. Oh, mine too. Okay. okay. You looking well, at I am, gonna, well, I am recording to my Plex server. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so I'm trying to figure out what I want to do for a new machine and I don't want to spend like two grand to get the real not like the the iMac that I want. I have a decent monitor here that's not a part of my iMac, a separate monitor. And so I thought, well, maybe I could get like a like a thirteen hundred dollar Mac Mini and then upgrade the RAM on my own. Which you should absolutely do that. No question yeah. about the RAM. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, because freaking Apple wants to charge me a thousand dollars for sixty-four gigs, and I can Oof, do it on my own really? for I can do it on my own for three hundred. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, always, you yeah. should never upgrade anything that you can upgrade yourself on a Mac. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but I, yeah. So, in 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 looking at kind of different options, the the Mac Mini seemed to be. Well, what, what's the what most intensive thing you need. use it for? 4K video editing, but that's not often, and it's usually not a ton of files. Yeah, I, it should be fine for that. Even even 4K editing, as long as you're not doing, like, 20-track 4K video editing. Right, no, no. <laughs> How much... No. Uh, let's see here. So I'm, I'm specking one out here real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, what hard drive would you put on it? The one terabyte? Uh, no, I would do the five, 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 twelve, five, twelve. Okay. So, cause I can get, yeah, I can get external. So, so you do flash the 3.2 gigahertz, six core I seven. Yes. So that, uh, that's literally what my Plex server is. Like I have same. the five twelve. Mm, yep. And then I have an external direct attacks attached storage that's yeah. like mm-hmm. i don't even know 20 12 terabytes or something oh gosh <laughs> yeah and, and that's what my my plex server is doing the same thing but it's doing it with a nas rather than direct mm-hmm. storage but it, it's a beast like uh you won't run into any problems 24 terabytes for for very much um i think uh, like the the big biggest limiting factor on on it is the gpu or lack of mm-hmm. GPU. And I don't know, because you're shooting Black Magic, right? Your 4K? Uh, I've switched back over to, uh, well, primarily now. I, I do rec- If we do record any of the show stuff, it is on Black Magic. But that's not 4K, actually. That's only 1080. Uh, well, and, you, Sony, and that's only one track, right? Because you're all together. Right, right. 
I'm not I'm not really worried about I mean, are you able to do do Apple ProRes at all? Cuz if you do that, you're golden. Like the um I can do Apple ProRes on my Blackmagic, yes. Okay. But but what I've been but I haven't been using my Blackmagic as much since I have my A7 III, my Sony. Oh, right, right. I've been shooting more on that. Um But even then, like I don't know. I've been since since my iMac's been crashing. I've been editing more on my uh, on Stephanie's MacBook, and that it's obviously slow, but it's not awful. And so I'm thinking if that can handle it, and that that computer's yeah, three, that, that six four four years old. Yeah, that six core mini is a actual like workhorse. Like it's a pretty yeah. solid machine. Um, well, yeah, like a lot of people don't realize the reason they still make these isn't even for personal users. It's because people like to use them as servers. Servers, yeah. So they're actually pretty good considering their size. Yeah, but I think you'd be able to do some good video editing with it. Yeah, for sure. Um, good. Well, I'm I'm glad I was able to get some opinions outside of just the internet. Were you guys both recording? Because <laughs> that'd be a great segment for the show. Yeah, yeah, we are. Yeah. Oh. yeah glorious um i'll cut that a little bit though, out though, <clears throat> i apologize it, it has me realizing that i should put my pop filter facing the other way so that the arm's not sticking into my into your screen into my face <laughs> oh so <laughs> if, if you hear some funky sounds on my side that's it <laughs> i got rid of my pop filter because my pop filter keeps trying to bump into my, my microphone i just need like a new I, uh, this is not an optimal setup I really want the blue one just because it's so compact, but it's so freaking expensive. Oh, yeah. It's comically expensive. So Brett's going to be able to talk about a new Mac mini and a new HDMI switcher at some undeterminate, indeterminate <laughs> point some in the future. At some point in the future, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been hesitant to hook up my new switcher and program it all on this computer since it just tends to crap out when I do anything that really pushes it. That's kind of scary. What's it? Is it just like shutting off or rebooting it just just, nope just shuts off and it won't turn back on unless i unplug it so bad ram or bad power supply bad lot something on the logic board all sorts of good stuff could be there right so i'm just kind of hoping it holds out till like november december ish um because let's see uh may June, July, August, September, October. So October or November is the uh, the month when I get my extra paycheck. Um, oh, I'm, gotcha. We get paid every two, like every two weeks, and so two times a year, I get an extra paycheck per month, and uh, so I can throw that extra, basically just pay for the whole machine with an extra paycheck. That'll be nice. Nice, nice. If I can hold off that long, we'll see. If not, I'll. That's why you have savings. So <laughs> yeah, that is that is exactly what that's for. Computer problems, though, man. Like it's 
Oh, it's always so frustrating when you it's run into like a repeatable, mm-hmm. you know, untraceable computer problem and just spend hours and lots this, of frustration. This Mac though has been good to me. It's a it's a late 2012 iMac, oh. 27 inch. This is going to be a, a slight speed increase for you with a three <laughs> with a 3.4 quad core Intel i7. Yep. Um. So. Yeah, it's been it's been good for me, but uh, does yours yeah, have an NVIDIA card in it? Yeah, yeah. I had the twenty, uh, I had the twenty thirteen, and it had an NVIDIA mm, card. Yep. Yeah, but I'm running on sixteen gigs of DDR three RAM. <laughs> <laughs> Literally anything you do with the Mac Mini is going to be an upgrade. So yeah, yeah, yeah. What kind of so, monitor would you use with it? Uh, what is my display? It's a 27 inch. It's a it's the 1440, the 20 2560 by 1440 display. Oh no no no! I meant sorry. Like, uh, what would you use with the Mac Mini? Oh, my Mac Mini. I have a. Uh, oh, I, I don't know. I have the specs on me. It's an LG Ultra Wide. Oh yeah. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. It's not a. It's not a 4K, but. Um, I'd probably upgrade to a 4K one at some point. Honestly, I'm really, I am really holding out hope that Apple puts out like a thousand dollar display. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I'd pay a thousand dollars for a high quality Apple display. That, that used to be what they charge for them. I just don't want to spend five grand. No, <laughs> like I'll take the step lower. I'll take. I'm not asking for a three hundred dollar display, Apple. I'm I want quality, but I don't need the like super pro tier quality. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't have I don't have that much savings. I can just blow <laughs> blow on a display. I uh I'm so do you run dual monitor setup? Like you have the iMac and then this external or like, I, are those separate things? I used to. Um, but since I've not been doing video editing on this, I actually plug up, I plug the, uh, the MacBook into the external display. Mm-hmm. So I have, I have run dual monitor in the past. I've been dual monitor. Like I've, I've been dual monitor laptop plus, you know, large display. Mm-hmm. Um, basically ever since I could start doing it in college Yeah, and just this year with the Mac pro setup, this is the first time I've gone back to a single display and it's like, even with 6,000 pixels across, <laughs> like I still, I still feel confined. Yeah. At times. <laughs> but I, the problem is I literally have nowhere else to put a monitor on my desk. I I've, I have a monitor downstairs um, that I used to use it as like the, you know, the second display. And I, it doesn't have anywhere to live on this desk. I can't that? make it Could work. You- could you do that weird thing where you turn it sideways and have it uh, uh, vertical? I mean, yeah. I, I, there's still not, like... That much space on your yeah. desk. Yeah. How, how big is your desk? Actually, I actually have a really big desk. The, the problem is viewing angles and stuff. Like, this... Uh, the 32-inch display is so big. Yeah. That, that, like, if I have to move it, it... And this is the other thing. The Apple display, the XDR, is not as good off-axis as they claim it is. Like mm. it is noticeably worse if you get too much off axis. Um, 
And so I did try this when I started and I tried doing two horizontal monitors. I tried doing one horizontal, one vertical. I just couldn't find something that was actually comfortable to use. So that's when I ended up saying, you know what, screw it. I'm going to, I'm going to just try to go to one monitor and see what happens. And I've been this way for a few months now and I'm getting used to it, but um, it is a little weird still. Yeah. yeah my, my Mac only has one monitor hooked up to it, but it's my server. So I'm that makes rarely sense, logged then. into it. <laughs> Meanwhile, my gaming PC has three monitors. I was, so I was about to say, I was, about, I was like, I'm pretty sure you said you had three monitors. Yeah. And, I'll kind of have a similar setup when I get actually when I get moved into my office studio room, gaming room, because I'll have I'll have a a Mac monitor and then I'll have a gaming monitor that'll be hooked up to my uh my Xbox. Fancy. And I'm not sure what I'm gonna do yet, what what monitor I'm gonna shoot for for the for my Series X, but it's gotta be good. Gotta yeah. show off all them, all them pixels and the hertz. You get all the hertz. All them That's hertz. Skype crashed on on me there for a second. No. Oh. oh, are you, uh, you still recording? Though? I mean, I am. Um, yeah. Okay. Was well, good. I was about to. I was about to ask you a question, so I'm glad you came back. Um. We could just jump right in. Yeah. You you were gonna ask me a question? Was that? for the podcast or uh it was no it was in relation to uh the monitor talk and okay and brett was saying he wasn't sure what kind of gaming monitor he was going to get and so i thought i was going to say you know hey timothy what do you think about various gaming Um, monitors it's so hard to pick them honestly because they're like every brand has really crappy ones and really good ones Mm -hmm. um i usually have i've just started using that that TV rating site. Mm-hmm. Oh, do they do monitors too? Uh, I believe so. Or it might be displays. I don't. What's the word now? Display. Uh, I mean, I call them monitors, but I, you know, I'm as old as you are. So, uh, <laughs> what is that? It's not TV ratings. It's like it's artings. R T I N G S. That's right. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they do monitors. Yeah, yeah they, they do. do. Yep. So yeah, because they'll tell you exactly, like if you click on the best gaming monitor, they'll have a big list of them and they'll tell you exactly what they excel at and what they don't. So you can get the stuff you care about. So their best one you might not care about because a lot of times it's like, it's got 240 hertz and it, it does it really well. And you're like, I don't, I don't care about 240 (laughs) hertz. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I recommend. Isn't 144 hertz like, um some sort of standard that a lot of folks are shooting toward for some unknown uh, well, reason to me. 144 Hertz is old. Like it's like oh. 10 years old. And what? so 240 Hertz is what they're pushing <laughs> to for now. Hmm. Okay. It's, I mean, it's just like the 8k thing. It's like nobody, like I, right. I was totally on board up to 4k, but now I'm like, nobody needs 8k like unless you're talking about like a a uh, projector size screen you don't need 8k for your for your tv yeah yeah like literally your eyes cannot tell the difference unless you're standing way too close to your tv 
Well, I'll definitely be paying attention to this site then when uh, when they have gaming mon- best gaming monitors for Xbox Series X. Mm. Yeah. Well, and the worst part about monitors, like, j- let me just show you real quick. Go to monitors, click on best gaming monitors. Look at their rating for the number one gaming monitor. Oh, 8.8? Yeah. Yeah. That's the problem with monitors is they're not great <laughs> even the like, best are yeah it's like you go and click on tvs not actually it's a lot lower now it used to be the lg the latest lg would be over nine now it's only 8.8 wow. oh wow i take it back it's because they can't push them them 8k pixels oh hi simon yeah they're like can't do 8k <laughs> i don't even jesus think- I don't think they rated <laughs> any. Samsung C49RG9 has a, it's a 49 ultra f***ing wide. <laughs> 5,120 pixels wide. Uh, 5120 is the standard for that. 5120, 2880. That's, that's the 5K standard. It's so wide. Right, so it would be... So it's fifty one twenty by fourteen forty. Is that mm-hmm. what it is? Yeah, I, I guess it's like having two monitors side by side. It's like effectively, right? If I had two seventeen inch displays, that's what two the res- fourteen or, forty monitors next to each other. Right, yeah. two twenty seven inch displays right next to each other. Whew. That's what it would be. But but the problem is, especially if you're running on Windows applications don't really understand how to take up like half the screen they want they want, they want to use the whole screen and there's nothing like yeah. opening you know excel <laughs> hitting maximize and having it go across five thousand pixels mm-hmm. unnecessarily oh my yeah, gosh I, mean, I keep i've wanted to get an ultra wide for a long time not one of the crazy ones not like one of the 5120 ones more like the like 3840 by 1600 something that's a little bit more uh like normal sized <laughs> mm-hmm. but the problem is they're just not useful for anything but gaming it's yeah. like like the one i have is a 1440 monitor that goes up to 120 hertz and it works really well as a regular monitor because it's a normal size <laughs> as soon as you get it to that weird ultra wide thing it's like it just it doesn't work the same as having two monitors yeah and then you start yeah. running into a whole problem with dot pitch you know, like how how big the pixels physically are, right? At viewing mm-hmm. distance, and you have like you know the screen size and the resolution, and like some of those displays are horribly off on, as far as like the optimal dot pitch. Well, and, and 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 like speaking of that, the apps and the games have to support ultra wide resolutions, and if they don't, then they'll do funky things. Good times. Yeah, so let us know, Brett. I feel like this will be a journey we all go on together. <laughs> I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. So did you guys hear that uh, SpaceX launched a uh, booster for the sixth time, and it launched and retrieved successfully? It's impressive. It's, it's awesome. It's, it was a couple weeks ago, but that was kind of cool. I figured we'd mention it again. You know, I, I, I'm just – I'm excited – it feels like we're, I don't think we mentioned this earlier this year, mm-hmm. but it just does feel like we're 
like and the next step towards doing something in space is <laughs> the right com- around the corner the commercial space age yeah. I, I, I appreciate that you you uh very softballed it because that's <laughs> I, uh, that's how i actually feel is people are like oh we're the first step to living in space i'm like technically that's probably true <laughs> but it's like step one of like a billion <laughs> right oh yeah. yeah no it's it's still not anything that we're gonna like probably really experience in our lifetimes oh yeah. but, definitely not yeah but just like, like the idea like i think back i think there's such nostalgia for like that space a that space race feeling of like doing something exciting and we just haven't had that with space for a while yeah um and it kind of feels like we're ooh, like i don't know this is cool something new out there yeah yeah uh timothy you have the oculus uh quest quest my brain was gonna say oculus vive and i was like no that's (laughs) definitely not right wrong company um that would be yeah so how do you feel about um facebook facebook login requirements for the oculus quest uh i mean i i'm I'm not happy about it I'll, i'll i'll start with that I I don't like Facebook. I don't like when anything requires any kind of social account to log into anything. Mm-hmm. And Facebook is the worst one that you could ha- require somebody to have an account for, especially because it has nothing to do with any of these apps. It's just they're a big company. But yeah. they want uh, your data. But I will say, I knew when I bought it that Facebook owned Oculus. So it's not exactly something that I didn't see coming and that I wasn't expecting to happen eventually. Mm. Um, I just, I knew they wouldn't be dumb enough to one day be like, it's required today. And if you don't do it, then you're going to lose access to your device. Cause I think, I think it's like 2022 is when they're going to shut off, not shut off, but they're going to like, quote unquote, require you to use a Facebook account. If you already have an Oculus, Mm-hmm. Um, but you still don't have to, even then it just might, the, you might not get all of the Oculus features is what they've said, which who knows what that means. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's a dumb move that I think, I think Facebook thinks it's not going to have much impact and it's just going to look good for them. And I think they're going to be surprised at the number of people because you kind of have to be tech savvy to get into VR right now. And those people don't want to use Facebook to log on to use their VR headset. So I yeah. think they're going to be surprised at the at that their sales decline as a result of this. Yeah, it seems like a weird power play thing, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to bluff their way through this, but everyone else at the table knows what they're holding. And like... I just don't think this is going to work. Um, And by all accounts, you know, I think uh, unless they come out with next generation hardware at some point that is so dramatically better than what everybody else has, this is not going anywhere. Well, and, and that's the thing is Oculus. A lot of people consider Oculus to be winning the VR game, but it's not because they're hardware is better it's because it's cheaper and it's Mm -hmm. easier to set up 
like I think pretty much everyone in the, in the VR game agrees that the uh, the index, the Valve index, is the best headset on the market right now. Mm-hmm. But it's super expensive, and so if you were just wanted to dabble and get into VR, everybody was like, get an Oculus Quest. But that's the only reason anybody was buying an Oculus is because it was cheap. So, yeah, I, yeah, it's interesting. Kind of crazy. Yeah, it put my uh, my hopes and dreams of ever buying one completely out the window. Not even yep. on hold. Just, <laughs> nope. All. <laughs> Guess I'm not hopping into the VR game anytime soon. <laughs> well, and and really what another VR company needs to do is they need to step in and release one that's the same price as the Quest. And they mm. will get a ton of sales because yep. people will get it over the Oculus as a result. Yeah, do you think like the Valve Index at like at some point they're going to be able to drop the price on it as they improve manufacturing and 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 you know demand starts to drop, so they're going to shift prices down, or do you think that's going to stay as like a really high end expensive thing? I think it's probably going to stay as a high end thing, just because they're not doing any compromises. So the thing that makes the Quest really cool is it's all built into the headset. You don't have to have stuff around your room, mm-hmm. but that also means it's not quite as accurate. It's not quite as advanced. Uh, and that's why people want the index because like it can track all of your fingers individually really, really accurately, which is why it's called the index because your, fi- your fingers. Um, but I, I think because it's so much more advanced, if they drop their price, Oculus will probably drop their price to match hmm. or to keep it below theirs. So yeah. I don't think the index will ever be that low or if it is, then they'll just come out with a new high end one. Do we have any idea what kind of like if Oculus is even making money for Facebook, like the Oculus branch, like is that when they release their financials, is this something I don't know that if they do release their financials? Well, Facebook has to release financials because they're a publicly traded company. Right. Right. So, but, but do they break know. it down as far as, you know, like it's some, what I mean. as, right. There's some sort of level of granularity at which they cut off and say, you know, they, things just go in buckets. Um, I sort of like, I really wonder if Oculus, how much of it is making money for them versus how much of it is just like lost leader, like, like the Xbox or PlayStation hardware. Right? Yeah, and they're just making mm-hmm. hoping to get money off of licensing for games. I I know last year, maybe even the year before, when it was released, that bucket was not doing well, because um, it was a big news story because everybody thought Oculus was gonna make VR mainstream, and it obviously didn't. So, uh, so I think so. There was definitely some stories about it wasn't doing very well but I think they've been a little bit more coy about talking about it since then. Mm, Cause I haven't, okay. I haven't seen anything in the news since then about it. Okay. Well, we'll see where, uh, where the VR stuff goes. It, it seems to be stagnating right now a little bit. Well, I, I mean, I, and I, I think I said it before the, there's only been one game that I've thought, 
actually justifies the the 350 minimum dollar price of a headset and that's half-life alex and nobody else is making triple a titles like that mm-hmm. and so nobody's gonna buy it for one one game unless they really really want to play a half-life game you know yeah yeah so brett tell me do you want do you want a day one playstation 5 that's going to cost an (laughs) unknown amount of money uh yes and i'm willing to just give sony my credit card where do i sign up at (laughs) (laughs) here's a blank check just write in whatever amount you feel is necessary absolutely not no um (laughs) yeah this ps5 direct order program is very interesting it's such a it's such a sony thing it's it just screams sony so so, explain it to us timothy yeah so basically sony might send you an invitation to pl- to pre-order a PS5, at which point they won't tell you the price, and you can say, yes, I am interested in pre-ordering it. And then you will get first dips on PS5 pre-orders. Don't, don't forget, and, you have to specifically tell oh, them you're interested in getting right. this. Yeah, but, okay. So <laughs> you have to tell them you're interested in it, and then they say that it's going to be based on how big of a PlayStation fan you are. So they're going to look at stuff like how many platinum trophies you have, how much time you play on your PlayStation. Well, we don't really know, right? Like that was the article I saw was saying like, we, it, we have no idea what the actual criteria is. Right. Right. But I, I imagine how else do you do it? You know, they, how do they judge someone's PlayStation fandom? That all they have for stats are, what how much you play your ps4 yeah they don't know if you have like a playstation tattoo right i should uh i should definitely sign up for this because so back when the ps4 was announced i i signed up for a psn account even though i didn't have a playstation at the time and never have had a place so i have a playstation <laughs> id but i've never owned i've never used it and if you're if like a, you're i like get a invited meta fan if I get if I get invited to pre-order, they're either really desperate to get new fans, or it's just all a wash and it doesn't matter. I like that. Well, and really, the worst part about it to me is that it's uh, they're turning what is a problem for them, which is that they can't develop enough of them into. Hey, look at this exclusive thing that we're letting our PlayStation fans doing yeah that was pretty clear to me like this doesn't seem like uh actual actual exclusivity this is supply constraint right like yeah. and they're just trying yeah. to spin it I, this is it's very <laughs> odd it's very weird yeah very weird um I, I, we still don't know what it costs as brett said um we and to be fair, don't know when not, it's coming out. It's not, it's not like you're signing up. It's not like you are pre-ordering it without knowing the price. You you are just basically putting your name on a list. Um, to yeah, to, you're 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 entering the sweepstakes. You're entering the sweepstakes, I guess, it, it, but it, for a chance to win. So yeah, this is this is the exact wording from their <clears> own 
fact, who will be selected to receive an invitation. Our selection is based on previous interests and PlayStation activities. That's why I like said, yeah, I would not trophies get picked and everything. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't be either, even though I've platinumed Horizon Zero Dawn, I've platinumed mm-hmm. Ghost of Tsushima and a, and a few other games. I don't play my PlayStation that often. I probably play like maybe a hundred hours a year on my PlayStation. You've put way so, more in in 2020, though. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm averaging it out here. Okay. Because yeah. it's based on the number of exclusive that come out, and they tend to Bunch have up. peaks and valleys. I so. do think this, you know, more than anything, more than the whole loyalty thing, I think what will be most interesting to see for me is, does this affect retail availability of games, or of, of consoles? Because... <clears throat> if if Sony can sell directly to you, directly to its consumer, this is this is the whole thing that with antitrust stuff that's going on right now with a bunch of other companies is like who gets cuts of 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 right. what purchases, um, and if Sony doesn't have to give a certain amount of cuts to retail partners that are selling their machines, if they're selling direct to consumer, they get to keep that much more cash, right? Um, and so it will be really interesting to see if, oh man, like pre-orders at GameStop, there there just aren't a lot, and we'll know that that's because of this direct pre-order thing. Um, chances are that's going to be the case more than supply constraints at this point. But it is 2020, and supply constraints may also be a problem as well. Well, and the the thing that's the thing that's crazy about it is we like we don't know what the price is going to be that's yeah. the craziest part so the i think like i seriously wonder i you know i, I don't actually I, I don't think it's for sure it's the case but i wonder if part of the reason is they're like crap when people see the price they're going to not they're going to be more hesitant to pre-order but mm-hmm. if you put your name on a list and you're on an exclusive list yeah, <laughs> it gets to pre-order. You might consider paying an extra hundred dollars for it That's because true. you've That's got true. a personal invitation to pre-order. Yep. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I hadn't thought of it from that angle, but um, mm-hmm. <laughs> That's that seems like a very Sony thing to do, right? <laughs> yeah, it, it totally does. does. It absolutely wow. does. Yeah. It's it's just crazy to me that we have no idea what these next gen consoles are going to cost. We're what three months out now. Um, well, I I sound like such an Xbox Playboy or, or Playboy, <laughs> such an boy. Xbox fanboy nowadays. But as you know, or, yeah, Timothy, get dressed up in your Xbox Playboy attire. <laughs> I don't know what that looks like because I mean, you, you, like, you can use that for the opening, and then I'll I'll redo it. Um, <laughs> I sound like such an Xbox fanboy, but I just love the way Xbox is doing it because they kind of said, we don't really care if if people buy an Xbox Series X. It's like, and obviously that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but they basically have said, if you want to keep using your Xbox One, keep using your Xbox One. If you want to keep playing on PC, play on PC. It's not a big deal. And I, I just, I love that so much, even though I'm probably going to get an Xbox Series X on day one. I love that there's not, it's like the opposite of this PS5 thing. It, 
it's not like oh my gosh you better get this limited supply of of playstation 5s it's like upgrade when you want to when you need or when you can so on that note uh you're still thinking about getting a a day one xbox series x though even though uh halo infinite is delayed uh, I pr- it depends. It totally depends. Uh, it's really just going to depend on how strong the launch lineup is. Because I'm not buying one just to get one on day one. It's going to be as soon as I can play new games on an upgraded machine, I want to play on an upgraded machine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if I'm going to buy a game for a console, if the Xbox Series X is out, I want to get the Xbox Series X and I want to play it on that. Yeah. But I'm not going to I'm not going to buy it if there's no games that I'm interested in. So, yeah. No, I'm I'm pretty but, much in the same boat. Um but but yeah, I mean, I think I don't think any of us are that surprised Halo Infinite was delayed. Right? Yeah, so so after our last conversation about it, um there was a huge internet firestorm and <laughs> 343 Industries went and hid in their hole for a couple of weeks. <laughs> And then they <laughs> popped a little white flag out and shook it around and said, um, upon second consideration, um, we are delaying Halo Infinite for an indeterminate amount of time. <laughs> and everyone on the internet, internet said, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, duh. <laughs> <laughs> but and I, I think I think it's probably worth giving him a little bit benefit of the doubt that they knew that they weren't in the place they wanted to be already and that they just wanted to hit that deadline and then when they saw the reaction they were like yeah yeah we know because it's not like anybody any of their responses to any of the criticism was ever like no no you're wrong like it's ready it's gonna be ready nobody was saying that (laughs) yeah i mean in any case, like whichever way you read it, I think it still uh, indicates, though, like mismanagement at some fairly substantial amount of mismanagement. Um, oh yeah, trying with, to hit an arbitrary deadline. It, yeah, is never good for a game. No, yep. and and somebody should have spoken up sooner. Like they, we've gone, we're getting pretty close to what would have been the ship date, and we. Well, we still don't know what the console is going to cost for <laughs> next gen, but um, you know, we we were we're pretty close to when the game was going to come out, and they're just now slipping it. And it's not like slipping a month, right? So, Last of Us right. to Ghost of Tsushima, um, the Destiny Two um, expansion, Online. right? These yeah. all slipped about a month, right? Month, month and a half. Um, the, Halo Infinite is like back on the drawing board at this point. Like we don't know when it's coming out. Twenty twenty one is like the that that's what we know. We, right? we don't know for sure though. I mean, it's it's totally possible it's going to come out in February and it's a three month month delay, which plenty of games have gotten three months. And and but that, and that we'll could be see. the case. But they haven't said anything, right? Which I think right. is, at this point indicates that they don't like if they had an idea of okay, here are the issues that we have and here's how we're going to fix it. And we're professionals in this industry. We've shipped many titles we have a good idea about how much time this is going to take we can safely say february right i feel yeah. like they would have done that already 
Right. But right. instead, mm-hmm. we're at this point where they are just scrambling and they're like, we need to just figure out what's going wrong, what's going right, and and stick this thing together with, you know, bailing wire or something. Like, it's it just seems to me like they are in over their heads with this project. I don't know if it's the scope of the project. I don't know if it's the, like, experience level on the team or what, but... I think there's a couple things there. Um, I think I think scopes one thing to real quick just talk about. Um, you know, they've kind of thrown around some stats talking about how this game is bigger than Halo Four and Halo Five combined, and they're aiming to put this game on systems that came out in 2013, as well as PCs and next gen consoles, um, which they've never done. That's that's yeah. all at the same and time. It seems like That's a mistake. That's an amazingly big, <laughs> like, there's just this. That just seems like an a valley that I don't know how you get across, um, yeah. or a mountain you climb, um, and sticking that flag in the sand is, I think, honorable on one level, but also incredibly. Uh, it, you're you're just putting a lot of weight on your on yourself on your team. Yeah. Um, and then also when it, uh, like what you said with leadership, um, and industry, uh, um, sorry, leadership and, uh, just delivering a game on this, uh, on this scale. Uh, we know that they've had two creative directors already quit. Um, Chris Lee is their third creative director on this game. Um, so it has certainly not been, even in the best of scenarios, having a creative director leave your game is not good. Um, so that's unfortunate. Also real quick, just breaking news on Twitter, uh, over on Bloomberg, Diana base or bass. Yeah. Diana base, uh, and Jason Schreier, have said that there's probably going to be a statement maybe as early as tomorrow that Joe Staten and another high-ranking Microsoft uh, official are going to be moving on to the 343 team to help oversee Halo Infinite. Holy cow. Yeah. See, this is like going back to the drawing board, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I take back any the defenses i had before because that's obviously them going we need to get get our together excuse my french i don't think together. that's french <laughs> yeah so that that to me does spell bigger issues than our visuals just aren't up to par yeah mm-hmm. um Joe has obviously moved on from just doing narrative stuff, um, but he is primarily has always been more of a narrative lead um, in in his uh, in his career. So it'll be it's that's the one that kind of surprised me. Yeah, um, oh, it especially surprised me because he was the head of all Xbox games, right? Mm-hmm. I think yeah. like the narrative lead or something like it was something, some weird title. Yep. Yeah. They must have, uh, had some 
strong discussions with him about <laughs> trying to get him back in Halo. I, I mean, he, I he's will one of say the, though, the original Halo developers, right? Like he's back there with yeah. Marcus Leto and Jason Jones. Like I remember seeing him uh, he, at Mac he's not World. Like Jason Jason Jones, obviously, but no, no, but he's as far pretty as like, early. But I mean, I the he come, the original he came on demos at, at like the yeah yeah. He was, he was he there, there for Bungie doing the demos for like and stuff. Myth of Fallen oh, Lords, yeah. right? I, yeah. I mean, he's You're been right. there for yeah. pre-Halo. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, he, he goes back as far as anybody with Halo. Uh, so, ostensibly, if anyone has a grasp on the franchise, it should be him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say the... It is very refreshing, though, that Microsoft has changed so much since Halo 2. Because Halo 2, it was like, you guys just got to get it done. And they crunched <laughs> yeah. like crazy. And they put out a game. And it's a miracle that the, that game is as good as it is. When it's, you hear the stories out of that. Yeah, that's true. It's a surprisingly good game. But yes, the stories are um, terrible. I, I mean, their own metaphor for <laughs> saving the game was a crashing plane where they throw it as out as much stuff as they can to save the plane that was their own metaphor they had on a whiteboard for halo 2 that's gonna be disheartening to be working on that project right. man like, it's like and and we've gotten to this point where they're like we already announced the date we've already shown gameplay but we're gonna delay the game indefinitely that's such a hum- huge change for for microsoft i i sort of wonder like how much this is going to affect the Microsoft games bottom line. Um, like there's gotta be a lot of financial pressure, market pressure about right, this. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, the meetings at Microsoft have to be fascinating to listen to <laughs> and, or really boring one, one of the two. I, but I, I think, I think though they, they're probably okay. Mostly because, from what it sounds like, most of their revenue nowadays comes from Game Pass. So I think as long as people don't cancel their Game Pass subscription because Halo Infinite's not coming at launch, they're probably feeling okay. Just keep putting new titles on there. They'll keep getting me to stay on. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they've had some, some really surprising stuff to get added on there, so... kind of wild um we got one more gaming story and then we can move on to tech and uh and then uh entertainment stuff but uh the big news of the last couple of weeks and this story's evolved over the last few weeks but um epic games is deciding to go to the mattresses and take on apple and google app stores and um this has been kind of a weird fight to watch from the sidelines yep um i don't know brett like do you have any specific take on this that you want to start with or or timothy like yeah i mean uh i was kind of on epic side originally because i kind of i do kind of think apple's such a big dog in this digital uh app environment that we all live in now and they are taking a huge portion, but still making deals on the side, mm-hmm. which I think is very unethical without allowing there to be an open way for everybody to try and make a deal with them. Yep. So I was kind of on Epic side at the beginning that, yeah, they don't want to pay Apple as much. But then the more I've read and researched into it, 
the less I'm on Epic's side. Because uh, basically, they it's not that they want to pay Apple less. They want to pay Apple nothing. Nothing, yeah. To have their app on Apple's store. And, and to be fair, they have said, we don't want to put it on your store. We want to be able to make our own store. But that's still, you're putting a game on their device without paying them anything and still using their development tools. So I'm curious, uh, the way I, the cynical point of view I have on this is that Epic is trying to plant a flag in the ground and say, this is our position, right? This is where we are. And Apple, Apple's got their flag, you know, at the other end of the field and both companies know that they're going to meet somewhere in the middle, but the more extreme Epic starts with, at the beginning, right, the more likely they are to get it at least closer in the direction that they want it to be. I, I'd agree with you if it wasn't a lawsuit. Uh, they play these games in lawsuits all the time, though, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they do, but they're they are ruling like what the what the suit is for is ruling on whether Apple has to allow them to keep their app on Apple's App Store. That's what the suit's about. So. Like, how are they possibly going to win that lawsuit? There's not a negotiation where you go, okay. Well, the negotiation can... is the settlement that comes out of the lawsuit, and both parties say, okay, we're settling this case. Right. Yeah, but that's that's only if they talk about it outside of court. Which they but are. App, but Apple has all the power. Like, that the, the doesn't look good for courts. Like, if you look at the initial ruling, the the judges basically already said, you guys are crazy. You did this yeah. to yourselves <laughs> and you're not even saying I want to pay less. You're saying you want to pay nothing, which even you who has your own game store doesn't charge nothing. Even if you charge the lowest amount of any major store on the market, yeah, mm-hmm. you're still charging 12% and they're not trying to get 12%. They're trying to get 0%. So, so like, th- that's why I feel like it's posturing because it just seems so ludicrous to me and, and, right. and, and uh, no, maybe uh, who knows? Maybe Epic is just crazy, but I mean, they've obviously thought about this a lot. They put together right. a rather hilarious Fortnite video based on the original 1984 Apple Macintosh commercial. Yeah. Um, put this in the show notes. It's pretty clever, but, uh, you know, they, they did a whole play, like they had a whole media thing ready to go so that when Apple pulled this, they were just get they just clicked the button and launched the first salvo. Right. Like, right. Um, I, it's just crazy. So fortunately what the court did though, um, was they, they sort of split, split this into two different issues because there are two big issues at stake, right? There's Epic as the publisher of the game Fortnite, right? And then there's Epic as the creator of the Unreal tool chain. Yeah, and Apple's Apple's like slapback with the we're just gonna revoke you access to all these Yeah, we're things. pulling your dev credentials for everything. Yeah. It was <laughs> that was ludicrous on the other side of thing. you know we're talking about epic being ludicrous well this was apple being ludicrous and, and luckily yep. it seems like the judge has realized these <laughs> the judge these, seemed to know. have a pretty good grasp on this you know <laughs> like, like, yeah yeah they this did. was a pretty even keeled response to both of these sides just being ridiculous with one another yeah 
so yeah so basically they said you can't revoke this the stuff the unreal the 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 dev the dev stuff uh but you also we're also not putting fortnite you we're not requiring apple to put fortnite back on the app store yeah um and i think that's a first good move while um they they kind of both threw heavyweight punches right out of the gate and now it's going to be whose footwork is better who can dance around and you know, get in their jabs where they can over the next months. Um, See, and would I, be my guess. And the, and the reason why I think Epic's crazy is is I don't think Fortnite provides enough revenue to Apple that they're not willing to just let it go and let Fortnite never come back on the App Store. That's why I think Epic's crazy because the judge probably isn't going to rule that Apple's required to put the sto- it back on the store without them paying a fee to Apple. There's no way that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So all Apple has to do is just hold out until the judge makes that ruling. And they win. And then they don't have to have this fight with every app developer yeah. on the oh, store. I absolutely think Apple has the advantage here. Um, it just in terms of precedent and being able to wait it out they've they've got the they've got the money they don't they're going to be fine financially epic's the one who's you know more or less losing money off of this um and you know where where i kind of end up i would say i'm very much in line with you timothy in that i kind of start out like oh yeah uh, go epic yeah and the more that's been kind of revealed the crazier it does seem um because they're they're trying i think that they're trying to treat ios as a as a pc platform where it's like any anyone should be able to you know make their own their own store and distribute it however you want and that's that's just that's not how this device these devices were ever made and even if they are trending to be more like personal computers than they are you know cellular phones um i I don't think there's any legal precedent to actually changing how that ecosystem works outside of splits of of you know who gets what percentage of sales yeah out of stores um the the iphone will will here's my hot take the iphone will never be the wild west (laughs) yeah yeah those yeah i mean it, it, it was it was kind of uh the tame west you know 10 years ago but we're we're past Cause, that because even google who you know they they did pull a similar thing but there's no lawsuit they're they they are kind of the wild west but they still can't really put their own storefront on there they have to sideload apps individually so yeah that's that's the most i could see ios going like a court ordering it to go is make a way so that people can install apps without the app store but i can't imagine them going yeah sure put a competing storefront yeah (laughs) on your device yeah this is all coming to a head right we we have these issues with these big tech companies making these 
big platforms that are more and more locked down to their own walled gardens. Mm-hmm. We have people wanting to make content and distribute it and get it out to people, but are feeling more and more constrained by the walled gardens. Um, and it, and then you have the user perspective, right? Where you want to be able to get this thing, but maybe it's not available because of X, Y, and Z, or the company that is making it is not making enough money because you know, Apple, Google, they're taking too big of a cut. And so it ends mm. up just being like this bad experience for the user. Um, yeah. Or or on the flip side, right, Apple's argument, I think, is that it's a good experience for the customer because, you know, there's only one credit card, one transaction, one point of, of contact. You can click a, you know, tap a button and make a payment and it's really easy and you don't have to worry about the security of that and blah, 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 blah. But, yep. um, mm-hmm. but you know, like there are, there's the creator, there's the platform, and there's the customer, and it's these three <clears throat> points that are pulling on one another, and there is not a nice equilibri- equilibrium right now. No. It's kind of a mess, and in some aspects, it's worse, you know, some industries and areas is worse than others, and... Uh, I, I mean, I would, I would even say Apple's not the worst one. I would say consoles are the worst one. Yeah, it's really interesting that we haven't had more of an outspoken like I don't know what it is that's different about a a phone with a locked down operating system, you know, versus you. versus a console with a locked down operating system other than license agreements when they first started like to set up their dev tools like No, I'll tell you exactly what it is. It's the market value. Is the just market the phones value or everybody's got a smartphone where whereas like it's only like one in four at most homes have a console a console i i also think that the relationship my guess would be that the relationship that epic has with the console uh manufacturers and um and not just i mean they're the manufacturers but they're also the the, the digital storefront um storefronts are, are way better because consoles are, or at least <laughs> except for that one time in 2013, uh, they're all about gaming. <laughs> <laughs> During that um, one press conference. That one press conference. And then, that, and then they decided maybe that was the wrong message to send. Um, and so I think my guess is that the relationship that, that Epic has with people like Phil Spencer and Microsoft or, or Sony tend to be a lot more palatable for them. You know, they're people that they are in the industry with and they are are just, they understand each other more than right. Apple, who is first and foremost a tech company. Um, and famously it's just, obstinate. It's just yeah. interesting, though, because the cut's the same. Like the, And that was one of the things that was the most surprising when I dug into this more. Right, but I, I also think that you know, consoles. I think can tend to justify it because they, they take they they don't make money on their consoles. They they effectively take losses on their hardware for years, and that that cut is a necessity to essentially keep the ecosystem even open. Right. This is Epic's argument. Mm, right. That's fair. Yeah. Um, without that cut console manufacturers couldn't make more consoles they're not then they're then they're then epic's not selling more games whereas with with phone hardware that's 
typically not a that's not a consideration, right? Like right. even if you are, you know, leasing your your phone or whatever over a couple of years, that that manufacturer, Google, Apple, they're making their money back on that phone and they're and they're making profits off their phones. Um first and foremost, all that software that they're selling, that kickback they're getting from the software that cut, that's all just the cherry on top. Whereas for Sony and Microsoft, or at least the Xbox division of, of Microsoft or, and the PlayStation division of Sony, that's like a necessity to even keep them above the water. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Public opinion will probably end up having very little to do with the outcome of this, but yep. mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see how it swings. Yep. More more news to come, I'm sure. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Um let's see here. So uh do you guys have Apple Music? I, I think I Brett Brett, you have uh Spotify, right? I had Apple Music. I tried we tried it out and my wife ended up liking Spotify more after our free trials of each, so we stuck with Spotify. Okay. So um we have Apple Music in the house. It integrates well with the the home pods and the iPhones mm-hmm. and all that. Um, but the so Apple a few, many years ago now bought the Beats brand of mm, headphones. Like that, they mm-hmm. made. I don't think they had anything else, right? It was like headphones gear. Yeah, yeah. It was widely considered to be like kind of middle of the road head headphones gear that was marketed as premium <laughs> right. headphones gear. Um, mediocre quality, but... Uh... He- heavy bass. <laughs> yes. <laughs> heavy oh, bass, God. mediocre headsets. Yep, yep. Um, so uh, when Apple introduced Apple Music as a platform, one of the things they have is a 24 hours a day internet radio station called Beats One. And, do you, like you know, if you're like, oh, I want to listen to the, you know, the live, quote, radio... Uh, you know, they had DJs in London and L.A., New York and Australia or wherever, and um, they would have shows on all the time. And they were supposedly either curated and you have somebody who's putting the music on and um, people I've never heard of because I'm not into that scene. Mm-hmm. And every time I tuned in, it's always like, I have no idea what's happening. This is like all the new music that's coming out right now before it's big. I think I heard like one song and then it was like, you know, weeks later I heard it on the radio in the car. I was like, Oh, Hey, I heard that on Apple music. Um, but they've got, uh, this beats one radio station and it seems like Apple's like doubling down on the Apple brand and they seem they're, they're getting rid of the beats brand. Uh, they still sell beats headphones, but I'm wondering for how much longer because they've renamed, the beats one radio station to Apple music one, um, which seems, you know, what eight years behind Microsoft with the one <laughs> thing, uh, this, there's gotta be better ways to name stuff. Like, yeah, but this is, this is a numeral one, not uh, the word one. Of course, naturally you can not an alphabet, alphabetic one. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, so they but they've rebranded Apple Music One and they introduced some other radio stations, which actually I think are gonna be a little bit more appealing to me. 
but um I it's it just seems like it was a weird thing for them to keep the beats brand around for so long um that maybe this feels like the natural progression of what should have been done originally to me but mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have like a take on this at all or if you care um I feel like most people I probably have no idea and don't care but I found it kind of interesting no I as with most things that are acquired eventually the names fade and change and the the brands do eventually dissolve um and I think we're just we're in a time where Apple's more and more pushing their things. I would not be surprised to see the Beats headsets live on for a while yet. Um, but it does not surprise me that that they're like anything Apple does that it, it attempts to be. I don't know, clever at or I don't know. I, they're trying to be cool, surpri- man. Cool or something. It doesn't surprise me that it didn't really stick. Um, and my guess is that Beats just doesn't hold the same water that it used to, I don't know, three, four years ago even. Um, and oh. and as they continue to attempt to unify everything under Apple Music, it makes sense for them to rename that. Well, I, think, I think I really don't care about this, but... Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. There's been a lot of rumors coming out that Apple's going to come out with their own uh, ear uh, AirPods brand headsets, and I'm wondering if this is part of that same mm, movement mm. because they may stop making Beats headsets if they're going to replace them with AirPod branded ones. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. The one thing I have liked about about Beats being in their lineup is that they are the only ones with fun colors. <laughs> <laughs> Although they've, I think they've simplified them over the last couple of years down to more like we've got a red version and we've got a, a red version, silver, a black silver version. version. I don't, white, can, white's a fun color. You can put any can, color <laughs> filter in front of it and it becomes that color. Yeah, but can, can we at least just get black? Yeah, like that. It just just black. Then then. My earwax won't be <laughs> quite so obvious when I pull it out of my ear and everybody can see it. I won't be so disgusted at myself. Yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, man. On that note. Uh... I think Brett's probably the, the best one to start this topic I off. think that's absolutely true because all I have are questions. Talk about DC <laughs> fandom. Yeah. So this is like a dome where they put all the fans. This seems like a really bad idea in this a COVID is essentially, situation. It's the Thunderdome. <laughs> it's actually uh, pretty cool. So you put all the fans really in neat. and only one comes out. This was really neat. So that was Highlander. Because of all the uh you know, the, the COVID pandemic, we had all of our our fun Comic Cons and stuff canceled this year. And and Comic Con is usually the thing where DC reveals a bunch of their what they've been working on, release new trailers, stuff like that. And uh, instead, they did a a digital event. It was 12 hours long, and then they replayed it and then claimed it was a 24-hour show, which I don't (laughs) understand how you get away with that, but whatever. What do I know? (laughs) It it makes sense. It makes sense on some level in terms of, like, who wants to watch a 24-hour show and 
with day night, you know, one half of the world is going to be, yeah. Anyways. Um, so then we got a couple, a couple of really cool things. Um, uh, I'll just go down the list here of what we got. Gotham Knights is, uh, this was, sorry, I'm, I'm clicking. Who's the developer? It's uh, Warner Brothers Montreal. Is that right? Oh, yeah. WB Montreal. Um, this is their new game. Uh, this is from the creators of the... They didn't do Arkham. That was Rocksteady. They, they did one Arkham game. They did game. one of the Arkham games. Arkham That's Origins. Right. Origins. Which, to be uh, fair, is the least well-accepted one, just so we kind of understand where they stand as far as that stuff. I have my first mm-hmm. question. Um... So I watched the trailer for this, and I, there's um, there's Robin, and there's yeah. and there's Batgirl. Mm-hmm. Who 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 are the other two? Nightwing. So, Nightwing. Yeah. Who okay. used to be Robin? Yeah. No, that's really you're ready, you guys realize now there's like, two Robins. There's like ten Robins. Man. You, you ready what? for who the fourth? <laughs> you ready who for the, who, for who the fourth one is? It's the Red Hood who used to be Robin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was thinking he looked like Deadpool. <laughs> There's a lot of people that look like Deadpool. Ah, just true. in comics, period. Or does Deadpool look like everyone? Uh, yes, actually. I think that's I'm, probably more it. I, um, actually, I don't remember. There's actually also some controversy about it. So but anyway, that's a whole other these topic. other two, I had no idea who they were. Um, and I only like had a, a Robin I was solid on. Batgirl, I was like, wasn't there Catwoman? But there's also Batgirl. Yeah, but Catwoman's not really a good guy. She's not a bad guy, but she's not a hero. She's not a hero, and this is also all not about a guy. how these, the yeah, <laughs> these these four kind of vigilant, you know, Gotham City vigilantes um, are are having to take up the mantle uh, at the as Batman is now apparently been killed, or Bruce Wayne has been killed. Um, well, both, both, yes. But one uh, secretly and one not. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I thought the trailer was was really good. Um, there's a little bit of a reveal about um, who the main villains are, uh, the Court of Owls. Which, if you know anything about the Court of Owls, you'll be probably really interested in the Court of Owls. I think are are yes. really fascinating. Very excited about that. Um, do they have anything to do with the Riddler? Because that's what I was getting out of the question marks in the trailer. No. Okay. But there's, but if it's like the other Batman games that come out, a lot of the stuff to find around the map is Riddler related. Like you'll mm-hmm. find a puzzle and have to solve it. Mm. Yeah. So, so what's, yeah, the, court, what's of, the Court of Owls? I did like their face masks. There. Yeah. So the Court of Owls is basically this kind of secret organization that's been essentially running Gotham for a long, long time, kind of in the background, in the shadows. And so there's there's cool gameplay potential there in terms of you could introduce villains like the Riddler and have them essentially working under secretly for the Court of Owls. Um let's see, we we got we got a we got a screen sorry, I'm going through some screenshots here. And I see Mr. Uh, Mr. Freeze. Um but Xenos do you or Timothy, <laughs> do you have any anything else you want to reveal about the Court of Owls? I don't want to reveal uh, too much. 
yeah, I don't want to reveal too much because it's it's got some pretty major twists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not as big of a, a DC fan as Brett is, but I'm a big Batman fan. So I've read pretty much everything there is to do with Batman in the comics. But uh, yeah, Court of, Court of Owls is... It's, there's probably like four or five, um, like if you were, if somebody was saying what Batman comics should I read, there's four or five comics you would give them and Court mm-hmm. of Owls is on that list. So a yeah. lot of people are very excited about the fact that this is based on, based on the Court of Owls. Interesting. And, and we don't necessarily have to keep this part in, but do you want us to tell you the background of each of those characters. <laughs> Do you no, want to know? No, that's okay. okay. I, 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 I was, was just like, mostly like, wanted to know. I have a passing, uh, relationship with the Batman universe that apparently yeah. keeps getting rebooted. And every time it reboots, <laughs> I lose one l- layer of connection with it. Oh, don't, don't kid yourself. Every comic book series in the history of time gets rebooted forever. I, that seems to be the case yes especially yep. with the movies like so i'm not a person who grew up reading comic books um i just i actually didn't either i just was... didn't like it's not something i was ever like into or uh, was you know um i don't think i read my first batman comic until i was in my 20s so yeah okay um but yeah so i just i i don't like i just have a disconnect with the material um, so my main interface with these stories is through the movies right. and, uh, that does seem to be a thing with all the movies is all the reboots. So, uh, I'm not surprised that that's also what happens with the, the comic books. Yeah. So, so what do you think about the gameplay, Brent? Uh, I thought, I thought it looked interesting. Um, I like how, again, like this is just kind of the the theme of a lot of games right now is give uh, the player a number of characters with different abilities that you can you know do different cool different things um i thought i thought it looked pretty fun um we'll see a little bit more on what the the loop is for the game um yeah that was my big question well, and I, I'm worried. I'm a little worried by the RPG elements, just yeah. because, like the all the Batman games so far have been very, uh, they feel almost like a fighting game, not a fighting game, but like a brawler, like a right. brawler. And adding RPG elements to that makes me worried that it's going to become, oh, this guy's too high level, so you can't fight him right now, mm. and that takes away fun from a game. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. Um, but yeah, we we have obviously haven't seen. I don't think I've seen enough to really make a judgment call no. on that. But agreed. I w- I would say that's where my caution lies too. So, so, so keeping on the game, uh, we'll just get the games out of the way. Yeah, there was another it. game shown. At Suicide Squad, kill the Justice League. It's quite and, the title. Uh, yeah. Um, and and this one's made by Rocksteady. So I think a lot of people are more excited about this one because they made the three major Ark- Arkham games, which were 
very well accepted. And this mm-hmm. actually is in that same universe, in fact. So, uh, and d- do you know who the Suicide Squad is? Uh, Michael. Michael. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was trying so hard not to say Bjorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, no. I know that it's tangentially attached to the Batman universe. Um, that's about it. For the most part, the Suicide Squad is a group of really crappy villains. And I mean that like as in they're not very successful. Not that they're necessarily crappy characters. Uh, not very successful villains that get captured by the government. And they get bombs put in their head and basically told, do these missions. And if you don't do the missions, then we'll blow your head up. Compelling motive. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> And it's it's kind of varying success uh, on Suicide Squad properties. There's some mm-hmm. really good comics, and there's some really terrible ones, and some and a really terrible movie. Um, do they do two movies or just one so well, they, far? That's what we're going to talk about next. There's another movie, but there's only been one. There's only been major okay. movie. All right, yeah. And so the the story of this game though is basically they are in Metropolis, and they they're there don't know what they're doing and then they find out they're they're there to kill the justice league including superman so that seems like a tall order yes especially because a lot of them don't even have superpowers okay wait so justice league so that's uh, superman batman wonder woman oh man there's like a hundred man oh geez (laughs) oh aquaman's in there okay um depending on Green Lantern, Martian oh, yeah. Manhunter. Um, X Men's Marvel, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. There, there's a lot. All right. But yeah, you you got the major ones. So. All right. So I mean, it looks really cool. Uh, I thought it did the humor of Harley Quinn really well, along with some people we haven't really seen that style of humor from, which was nice. Uh. But we also saw no gameplay. and all yeah, we, it was all a CGI trailer. And all we really got was that it's going to have shooting mechanics mixed with s- some powers. And then that it's up to four-player co-op. So. Hmm. I, th- I think what was the most frustrating thing for me in in this trailer as and i'm not a huge fan of suicide squad right but i am a huge fan of some of these characters like king shark right and the fact that like king shark is just they just give him some blades to go like let and me a eat, big let me eat some <laughs> fools let me let me tear them apart i don't yeah. i don't want machetes and like captain boomerang it's like he throws his his boomerang to teleport but then pulls out guns to shoot to shoot the guys yep. <laughs> it's like no that's that's let Deadshot be the gun guy. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and all of them were using guns. Yeah. And and it, it also, I have to wonder, is that the only four, or is there going to be a huge array of characters? And they mm-hmm. just showed us four since it's four-player co-op. But, I, yeah, I, I kind of had the same thought. I was like, King Shark doesn't really shoot people or cut people. <laughs> he, he literally bites their heads off. That's <laughs> this is like literally thing. what he does. <laughs> in the name um, yeah 
So um, this and this is set to come out in 2022. So we're still a very long ways off. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think the thing that had me a little worried is the thing that I've loved about Rocksteady is they make these really solid single player experiences mm-hmm. that are re- like have a ton of really good story. And I'm worried that that's going to get watered down with the four player co-op. Yeah. That's what I'm worried about, but they've never done a multiplayer game. I don't think so. I shouldn't really, I should give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they'll pull it off. So does it make anybody else sad that like when we say four player co-op now, we pretty much mean four people on four different TVs on their own couches in different (laughs) places. We don't mean like sitting down with your friends on the same television and playing the game together. On one side, yes, but on the other side, none of the friends that I play games with live nearby, so it makes me happy that I can play it with. Michael, you're coming down next weekend, right? Yeah, (laughs) totally. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like imagine if if this game did come out with four-player co-op that was only local. We would, if if all of us bought it, we would never play together. <laughs> I, I didn't say only local. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but just mostly limiting the fact that it's not even an option should you right. want it. Right. Yeah. 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 Well, sticking on the Suicide Squad train. Um, That's not a train our... I particularly feel like I want to be on. <laughs> Touche. We got kind of a couple little first looks at James Gunn's Suicide Squad movie. We didn't get a proper trailer, but we had kind of a roll call. Um, if anyone's been paying attention, the, the kind of the cast list for this has been, you know, growing and growing. And we've had a lot of speculation about who's going to play who. Um, so that roll call kind of finally confirmed a number of characters who, um, you know, I think a lot of people thought maybe uh, Nathan Fillion was going to be a Peacemaker now it makes way more sense seeing john cena as peacemaker why why he was you know cast in that role um and then we got a little behind the scenes like two or three minute video um which was just kind of a lot of the cast praising james gunn i feel like yeah yeah (laughs) but but good good footage over that of like how crazy this movie is gonna be and how big it's gonna be um and how we shouldn't get attached to anyone because i think there's you know, when you introduce a cast this big, it's just to kill off fools right and left. Yep. So. Especially when you have people like, uh, what is it? What is he called? The polka dot man? Yes. <laughs> David Dalmaltian? Yes. Yep. I am here for that. Wait, when you said polka dot man, that suit wasn't a CG like, no. like Gollum no. suit? Oh, my. So his powers are that he can rip off those dots and throw them and they do different things. <laughs> Wow, I thought, <laughs> oh my god, I watched that whole trailer and I thought he was like just in the CG suit the, for that, something. That's what I was talking about earlier when I talked about like crappy villains. He's the, <laughs> he's like the perfect example. And Nathan Fillion is playing a guy called, they call him TDK in this, uh, which I can't remember what it stands for now. But uh, he's actually arm fall off boy. <laughs> <laughs> His arms just fall off and like, they even... use it to to beat people with it's amazing it's not even a power he literally is just using one arm to hold the other arm and beat people with it it's awful oh so 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 yeah that's that's like 
and and I, I I gotta say, I I was they announced a a reboot or there were rumors about a reboot years ago, and I remember being like, just give up on Suicide Squad. Like you guys don't have the right vision for what Suicide Squad would have to be to be a successful movie. And then they announced James Gunn, and I was like, never mind. Apparently, you do. <laughs> Because he's the one that could pull it off, if anybody. He is the perfect writer-director for this. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, so very excited. I'm this excited was, yeah. This was a... I, I was excited, but this was definitely one of the one of the highlights of the of fandom. Me too. Was getting to see just a little bit more of Suicide Squad. We also had... It's not written down here, but I would be... I, I can't not mention it. We got an, another quick little teaser trailer for Zack Snyder's The Justice League. Um, basically just showing a bunch of clips of things that we pretty we, things that had already been revealed. There weren't a lot of surprises in there um, that had been cut that are coming back. Uh, but I will say it is really good to see Henry Cavill's face uh, as a normal face. I didn't realize how much I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> but he looks pretty uh, good as a witcher I, I know, just saying but he also looks good as superman so whatever michael just trying to stir <laughs> the witcher pot up again I, yeah just was poking poking it um and then our our final i i, I mean last, did, one last yeah, thing didn't they yeah. did they also reveal that it's four hours long yes so oh what no they're releasing it in in four one hour chunks, and then they'll have a like a full that, four hour cut edited together cut. That's called a mini series. Um, <laughs> well, look, I, I, yes, okay, you're right. Yeah, I think what's what's most amazing to me is that this thing is four hours without using a second of Joss Whedon's reshoot footage. Oh, I really? I didn't hear that part. Yes. That's insane. So that was one of the things. Snyder was like, I'm not using anything that was reshot. Wow. That um, is fascinating. And the fact that they're... Most movies, admittedly, have first cuts that are really long anyways. Um, and then things are removed, and it's trimmed down, and things are reshot to essentially fill in the missing pieces. Um, but yeah, like I, that I, makes I, me worried about it a lot. <laughs> because I, I'm, this I'm feels not like even thinking this is not going to be a masterpiece. I don't think this is going to be a masterpiece no. by any stretch of the imagination. But if I, you know, some of the shots, even in this trailer, I thought were gorgeous. I think Zack Snyder oh, is a fantastic visual oh, absolutely. filmmaker. I don't think he's as strong narratively <laughs> um, that's or even that's, or even in the edit but if i that's have not to watch, even an argument no, like, no, no, no. <laughs> you're right he's right. not a good narrative director but, but sorry but if i have to sit through you know two two and a half hours of like mediocre storytelling uh but amazing visuals to get this like I'll do that because I'm a big enough Batman fan. I'm a big enough. I, I enjoyed. I'm one of those weirdos that like Man of Steel is on this like incredibly high pedestal for me. And <laughs> Batman v Superman is not good, but I love it. <laughs> I, I acknowledge that. Yeah. So like I am just excited to see it, his vision kind of 
finished. No, I mean I'm the, I'm with you there on on Man of Steel. I don't I don't have it on a pedestal, but I think Man of Steel was a a a refreshing take on Batman mm-hmm. or on Superman. Superman. Yeah. Um, because we kind of just had the same story and over over and over again forever on Superman. Mm-hmm. So that they did some relief. I I wouldn't even call them fun because it's a pretty gritty movie, but some uh some entertaining choices on how to make it a fresh story but but yeah everything he's done since then has just driven me crazy because he (laughs) he has like his own vision of things that is not reined in by anybody and they need to be reined in like batman killing people (laughs) he went a little overboard on 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 batman's uh bloodlust but um I would not say that any of the Batman we've seen cinematically are all that uh have have that have that, you know, their hands clean of uh potential death. Right, right. <laughs> he just had but you're right. death. He is the one who strapped <laughs> machine guns to the front of the Batmobile. I'll give you that. That's that was that was a, a bridge too far. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. But not just that, sure. he shot a guy's tank of oh, yeah. gasoline and blew it up. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh no! Just flat out murder. <laughs> he's a very, he's a very different Batman. I will, I will grant you that. I will anyway, grant you that. I, I mean, we're coming from. I'm just a Batman fan. I like DC, but I'm mostly just a Batman fan. So I yeah. think that's, I think that's where we probably that's differ fair. a little bit. No, that is, yeah, 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 for sure. I, and you know, I, I, not to get into too much, and Michael will probably edit all this out anyways. But screw you, Michael. Um, <laughs> what? Thanks. <laughs> uh, I was I was a Batman fan first, and then um, you know the Saturday morning cartoons type thing. Yeah, uh, and and then learned to love the other DC uh, characters through through comics and and stuff like that. So I don't think I hold any character on this like immovable podium of this is who they are and no one can try something different. Um, which is why I'm more, more or less okay with like a slightly, Oh, a very more violent Batman. Like I'm willing to at least see, and you might not like it and I might not like it, but you know, to me, I thought the character more or less worked in Batman V Superman as a counter to what Superman was trying to be. Right. Um, narratively did it work throughout the whole movie in terms of the story structure no because Zack Snyder is not that good at doing that um but I did think it was an interesting take and I'm and I'm willing to uh you know entertain well, those in my mind I'm I'm willing to entertain them don't don't get me wrong the the part that I think was the failing and and I and I'm I know I'm not alone in this but that oh, the no, failing not. was not Batman killing somebody it was this is a new version of Batman. We're going to introduce him at the end of his career. You haven't seen anything about him. And pretty much the first thing you see him do is kill a bunch of people. Yeah. Like it, there was no like history there. Cause, cause that's the thing about Mar- the Marvel comics. I'm not at all a diehard Marvel fan. I didn't care at all about a single Marvel superhero before the original Iron Man movie came out. And and they earned my 
of how they earned my uh respect with those movies because they they made compelling stories for him and then finding out what people thought about it there was very little fanboy uh arguments for what they messed up because they earned a little backlash they went from the beginning and they made their own versions of the stories and they did enough to earn the fanboys respect that they could do what they wanted to and then you have Zack snyder come in and just go hey we've got a new universe you've never seen batman before here's batman and he wants to kill (laughs) superman and he's a murderer and i was like this feels so weird where did this come from like yeah I feel like there's a whole two or three movies before this we should have gotten before we got Absolutely. this version of Batman. And I think that's the part that bugs me is not Batman's murdering people. It's that we don't get a justification for it. We don't get a reason for why he's willing to kill people. Yeah. You know? No, I, w- I would agree. I think you either have to, you have to reframe Batman v Superman around Superman as the protagonist as bat and Batman as this like, as the antagonist and he's not we the problem is batman is really the protagonist of that movie but we're right. also supposed to be like kind of turned off by what he does yeah but we don't get that justification for why he's doing it yeah and so either keep him completely in the dark and we're like whoa who is like we don't we don't even know who this batman is we don't see his point of view until the the third act or whatever when that turn happens um or yeah, you have to have movies Backstory. to set him up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because you're right. It, it was a hard left turn from what we had anything we had seen, you know, previously. Yeah, and, and I mean that's and that's not even just a Zack Snyder thing. That's the problem no, DC's having repeatedly is yeah they they want to jump to the Avengers without earning it. Well, speaking of the Batman, we did get a trailer for, I'm very surprised we got a trailer, but we got a very good trailer for, or a very, it felt like a very complete trailer, at least, for uh, Matt Reeves's The Batman, which actually just started shooting this year, and its production was interrupted by uh, COVID, and they've shot about 20, 25% of the movie. Um, Oh, wow. I did and, not get that at all from the trailer. Yeah, and this is a very well done trailer from yeah. just what they filmed. I was very surprised. So, uh, so I was getting my, Michael, my Batman con- comment or content mixed earlier. I had mentioned, I had asked about the question marks, but that was for oh, this trailer that yes. wasn't about the game. I didn't want to question you. I was like, I don't remember any question marks, <laughs> but no, it wouldn't have surprised me. The so. game did not have it. It but is in this trailer. It was in this okay. trailer. Yeah. Michael, do you want to give us your your initial uh, impressions of this trailer? Since we, Timothy and I have been, you know, talking for the past thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> my first thought was, okay, so another Batman reboot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you have no idea how true that is. I was I was trying to think like, is this tacked on to another Batman that's already come out, or is this like a whole fresh take? It seemed to me that this is a whole. Well, new, whole fresh take, whole fresh yes. take. Yep, um, yep. and and then the, then they were playing with their question marks, and that's when I was thinking, like, oh, is the Riddler involved here? But I wasn't sure. Like, I, I, I don't know. 
T- tell me about this. I, I, I really, the problem is I don't know even what I'm looking at, right? Like there are, they're obviously hinting at things that if you're connected to the franchise, you're familiar with, and I don't have those connections. So it didn't, not a lot of it stuck. I had nothing. Sure. You know, so one, one of the other things that we haven't really mentioned, but with a lot of these trailers and, and uh, reveals, there were panels to go along with them. So a, a specific creator or team or, you know, group of people would talk about kind of a property for, you know, five to 15 minutes before they showed the, these things. Um, and so, you know, before this trailer, Matt Reeves got up and talked for, I don't know, it was probably 10 minutes, um, a little bit about the world of the Batman, um, what he's building. Um, you know, he's kind of, it, during COVID, while they haven't been able to shoot, he's been writing this kind of prequel uh, show for HBO that's based on um, – it's the Gotham PD and bad cops, and Batman's kind of in it. Um, but it's – it's you know, Batman's just kind of coming on the scene, year one of Batman. And the movie is more year two. This is Batman who's who's really trying to identify who he is. He's trying to figure out is, is being a vigilante – uh, is being this symbol something that I really want to do? Um, so we're getting a Batman right at the beginning of his career, very much like Batman Begins. Um, someone who's a little unsure will maybe, probably, most definitely make mistakes, maybe go too far. I don't know. Timothy, he might kill someone. I don't know. <laughs> and I'd be fine with that because this is his origin story. Right. Right. Um, but yes, uh, we have a couple, we have a number of villains. Um, Paul Dano is the Riddler. Um, you probably don't know who that is off the top of your head, but if you Google him, you'll be like, oh yeah, I recognize that guy. Um, and we're pretty sure that's who was doing all the duct taping, um, at the beginning. Um, and, and, and to go along with with Batman kind of discovering who he is, uh, Matt Reeves also said that all of the villains are kind of coming into their own at the same time, right? So this is this isn't a Riddler who's been plaguing Gotham for for ten years. This is some lunatic who's you know fascinated with the rise of Batman and is just trying to draw him out. Or the Penguin is kind of this up and coming mob boss and oh, trying that's to. That's who that guy was supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Um, but it's also a very grounded and realistic. It doesn't seem I, it, this could obviously change. They may just not be revealing anything yet, but it doesn't seem to involve really any like meta humans, stuff like that. Um, we had Zoe Kravitz is the cat woman. She's the burglar who Batman fights in one of the scenes. Um, well, so and, yeah. and, it, and, and to be fair, it's, it's pretty hard from this trailer to pull a lot of things because uh, for as far as plot devices because correct it's it's so far from being done Mm -hmm. that there's Mm -hmm. no through line (laughs) through the trailer it's just like it's like more like a montage than a trailer really yeah so one thing i did get out of this that i was uh, i was it made me think thematically maybe i'm reading too much into it but like when we see the the various villains in this uh sort of prominently throughout um they have these like it's almost like a mad max look right there's like these pasty white faces with like the dark 
um, paint around their eyes and mouth, right? So kind of make them look yeah. skull-like and, and that. Um, and then right at the end, we get a scene where Batman takes his helmet off and he's like leaning over a monitor. And when they do a close up on his face, he's like pasty white. And then he has like this dark paint around his eyes. And uh, like that seemed like too obvious of a symmetry to me to be an accident. Um, but I don't understand maybe if there's a significance to that that we do know or that we're supposed to read into or. So there's a comic, I think it's, is it just, is it Frank Miller's, uh, what, what was his last, what was the, the, the real popular one? Oh my gosh. Sin City. Well, no, there, no. There's <laughs> mul- I mean, there's multiple, there's Batman returns. Where's there's... the one when he's old? Yeah. That's, isn't that Batman returns? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, there, there is a there is a comic where essentially Batman has kind of gone, like he's kind of become a a a. I'm sorry. A, a symbol. Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight right? Returns. There you go. I was thinking of the Dark Knight. I was like, that's just the movie. The Dark Knight. Dark Knight Returns. Yeah. Um, where essentially he gets kind of these vigilantes to, I don't know, kind of take follow him. You know, he he mm-hmm. kind of gets his own little cult. I don't think that's a real likely possibility, seeing as it's he's just kind of becoming the Batman. Um, but that's certainly possible. Um, I think a more likely explanation is that they're uh, members of some other, maybe the Penguin. The Penguin, you know, black mm-hmm, and white. Mm-hmm. That's kind of his colors. Uh, part of that mob. They're just kind of the henchmen of the mob, and he's there. Uh, messing them up but um with with uh rob batten pat whatever you want to call him um robert battenson as i like to say (laughs) uh uh he i think in that final shot i my guess is it's just maybe a saturation issue maybe with the monitors casting a really blue light making him look a little he's he's pretty pale but looking, making him look even more pale than he is, and just the black around his eyes, just being the black makeup that he wears, uh, that pretty much all of the other movies have avoided. They, you know, they do use yeah. clever, clever editing to <laughs> he pull, you know, Batman pulls off his mask and he doesn't have that black eye makeup, even though he has to have the black eye makeup to look like he does during and still be able mm-hmm. to see. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So I was, I was sort of trying to read into it. Like to me, some of the elements of the Batman franchise are that, you know, Batman is walking this, this fine line between hero and vigilante and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he's, he's beside the law. Right. And so that there's a symmetry of these, you know, the villains are doing bad stuff, but Batman's also kind of doing bad stuff. And they, they, they play on this and lean on it in different ways through the various Batman things I've, I've seen. Um, so I was wondering yeah, I if know, maybe if they was... were like that, that's sort of thematically leaning toward this or not, but I probably read way too much into it, but I thought it was curious to see him looking similar to the villains at first. I was like, wait, is this the same guy or not? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that paint is going to confuse a lot of people since like Brett said, they've never done it before, but, but I, I think it's more coincidence 
Yeah, I don't I don't know how I feel about this. Like it, there's a lot of really cool shots in it and I'm ha- I'm happy to see some of the stuff it does. It's just the same worry I've had with DC for a while that I'm always worried that they want to go gritty all the time. Yeah. That's like their <laughs> default setting. And Batman should be somewhat gritty, but we also need fun and there is no evidence of fun Ew, in that fun was in that where. trailer. So yeah, that's, I, I that's think about. my guess is that when you look back at what has made them money in the theater, it's not been fun. Right, right. Uh, you know, the the fun cut of Justice League bombed <laughs> horribly. Where uh, and and as you know, probably probably the best the best example of of fun doing well was Aquaman. Um, I'd say Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman did do well. That's true. Um, I but Wonder then Woman. you have, but then you have things like uh, Birds of Prey and Shazam, which both critically did well, and I think they did fine making their money back. I mean, um, Shazam's getting a sequel. I don't think Birds of Prey did. I don't think Birds of Prey of probably did. Um, but it was still critically well received. Yeah. I just I think that they probably are leaning into those metrics and say, well, our gritty Batman, you know, our Nolan films did well. The first couple, you know, Snyder things did, did well until people maybe got a little too tired, but this is a different director, different actors. Um, When you do a reboot, you can kind of get away with doing anything. So, well, let's lean into what Joker, Joker freaking was an R rated, you know, depression fest and that thing made a billion dollars i i think the reason it worries me though and part of it's because christopher nolan's a really good director there are fun moments in his movies for sure yeah 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 yeah. and you're right and they're not common but they're there and they're super important to the feel of the movies like even the the moment in the first movie where he's being bruce wayne are super important to Mm -hmm the way that movie moves and you really don't get that in any other of the DC movies. It's all serious all the time. And, and getting just that tiny balance of humor, they just don't do. And I, and I think, I think the problem is you're right, is that they are looking at, at the dark Knight trilogy and going, it's gritty. That's why it's done well. And it's like, no, it did well. Cause Christopher Nolan's an amazing director. <laughs> yeah. That's the reason why it's as good as it is. And yeah, I think they're just taking the wrong lessons from the movies that did well and the movies that did poorly. The one thing I will say that I'm really excited about is the fact that we're not it, we're not jumping into this Marvel-esque Avengers combined story right, right now with the Batman. We're getting it seems like we're getting a standalone story, potential for sequels obviously. Um but it's not like this Batman is all of a sudden just going to go hop over and start, you know, drinking, drinking brewskis with uh, Aquaman. <laughs> right. Right. For no reason. For no reason. <laughs> well, you mean you didn't love in the Justice League when they introduced a bunch of characters you've never seen before and you're supposed to be like, <laughs> yeah, team up. <laughs> yeah. Cyborg. Yeah. <laughs> um. 
so for the final final movie for the night is movie night. Yeah, you, you might want to redo that. Oh, why you is said that? F- final movie for the night. Yeah, that we're going to talk about the final movie oh, that okay. we'll talk okay. about for the I, evening. I, I thought you just misspoke because it's like the final point. No, oh, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, okay. Um, Speaking of movies, this is what people come here for, though, is the banter. This this back and <laughs> right. forth. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wait, what people come here? <laughs> um, people. Uh, <laughs> what crap? What's the line from Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> top people. <laughs> yeah. top. What what men? Top top, top men. men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So. Movie night. We had an assignment uh, to watch 1963 movie Charade with Audrey Hepburn and Cary Grant. And I believe all three of us watched it. Um, yes. Yeah. It was me for yep. the first time. Yeah. And I hadn't seen it for quite a while. There was um, yeah, me either. one little bit at the end that I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Forgot about that. Um, but I, I think we we should start this off with uh, since Brett, this is your first time seeing it. I want to hear um, your your critical reception. Man, this this was a pleasant little movie. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think you know what night this was. What nineteen sixties sixty three nineteen sixty three yeah. So I think the nineteen sixties. You know they have they, it, it has its issues with um, with scripts and language specifically, just kind of how things are kind of sometimes oddly written or oddly spoken. But the actors and actresses, actors and actress in in this movie, um, I think they just they kind of know. There's a believability there, and they're just they're just fun to watch. Um, even when you've got this like weird thing where they all kind of don't trust each other, and people are dying, and they're in the ho- this hotel, and they're just kind of like you're 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 moving between the rooms, and they're having this funny dialogue. Like I'll say I say funny. It's not necess- I mean, part of it is comical, but. It's that 1960s, we're taking ourselves maybe too seriously dialogue. Yeah. Uh, that. Uh, but it sort of is, feels like a stage play. It does. A bit. It does. Yeah. It mm-hmm. does. And it's um, often it's, framed like one. It's endearing in a way that maybe I don't know if they intended back in the day or it necessarily would have been interpreted as back in the day. But Audrey Hepburn is just the best to watch. I love her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's like the best part of the 19 of like this era of movies Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and a and a great twist at the end uh very i was very pleasantly surprised with uh with how this movie ended yeah so i think we can we we can safely say uh we're gonna talk about spoilers so Mm -hmm. if you haven't watched it watch the movie we gave you a warning two episodes ago um <laughs> and yeah but uh yeah we, we can talk about stuff and and without dancing around the bush too much sure i will say also one of my um maybe one of my criticisms and again i think it's probably more or less just a it's 
of the times is there there's there's maybe some uncomfortableness between at the beginning between <laughs> uh the the two leads uh Cary Grant and Audrey Hepburn just how persistent uh he he is with her which <laughs> would in today's uh and should have back then been uh you know okay walk away buddy but that's part of the mystery and there's it fits because of the movie it is, but it's it's interesting because I think <laughs> I think it's it's definitely shown its edge the other way too, mm-hmm. in that this girl barely knows this guy, and within a matter of like a few hours, basically oh, of being yeah. with him, is like head over heels in love with him, mm-hmm. and like is willing to marry him because she's making jokes about it already. It's like. That 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 was like almost as uncomfortable for me rewatching it now of like yeah. this guy's like probably twenty years older than you and you're throwing yourself on him constantly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the and the only reason it works is because they have good chemistry together, right? Yeah. The, the the uncomfortableness is is overwhelmed by just their pure charisma and chemistry. Yeah. Um but you're absolutely right. <laughs> yeah it's like he's pushing a little too hard she's coming on a little too fast but it's fine because it's it's a 1960s movie i accept it (laughs) yeah it that's sort of how i i felt about it was that i like i i love this i think the movie's fantastic but it definitely shows its age there are a couple instances of like um just like sexism that mm-hmm. things like oh yeah th- par- parts of the dialogue and you're like i cannot <laughs> believe you said that no um, there's a scene that makes me laugh so hard in this watching it now and it's the scene where the guy is it tex is threatening her by lighting matches and oh, then dropping yeah. them in her That's lap like, oh, creepy yeah. i thought i <laughs> thought that was super it creepy was, it's super creepy but i'm like blow him out <laughs> he's literally putting him directly in front of her face and she just stares until he drops him and it's like bl- blow it out <laughs> yeah and and honestly that's a little bit um that would have been in line i feel like with a lot of the rest of the movie i'm gonna get back to that comment in yeah, just a second yeah. but yeah so there's like the the issues with sexism and then like this bizarre like 1960s hollywood version of quote romance in movies and like they they set up this thing and it's like oh i i I think i love you and it's like wait where does that come from like we have Mm. no character development to establish that you have any sort of emotional connection with this guy Um, and at that point she doesn't even actually know the real him (laughs) no (laughs) and she doesn't know the real him until like what the last minute five or two of the movie yeah like it so I found myself frustrated by those elements of the film, but I think apart from that, I love this movie. And, um, one of the things is that the movie, so that I'll start with where I was going to end with this, but like, I would love to see a modern redo of this with Ryan Johnson as the director. Mm -hmm. Because, it very much in the way of, of his treatment with the star Wars franchise in the last Jedi, right? He sets up these, you have these expectations and then he subverts them with little bits of humor and, and oddities of in character actions 
that you, that you just you're not expecting and it throws you off and this oh, movie I think feels Knives out as yeah. a, is is an even better example it's like it's it has almost as many twists as this movie but knives out didn't feel quite as um slapstick's the wrong word but like it's, there's like knives out feels more subtle as far right. as those whereas like star wars like he he was he was like sort of overtuning them a little bit on purpose right? right and i feel like this movie follows that pattern where you have these tensions and you have these like characters are dying and and you could have like it could be really dark and kind of like a thriller film but then it has these moments of levity that it gets dropped in throughout the movie that really help lighten it up and and carry the story forward um and, and, and they started right from the beginning, right? The opening shot of the film is you got Audrey Hepburn and then there's like this pistol pointing at her and you're like, whoa, like where, where's this open? And then it's a water gun. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> right. And the whole rest of the movie kind of follows that. Um, and so, uh, I go ahead. Yeah. No, no. I, I just, and I felt like um, I, I didn't remember that that was the case. And so when watching it again this time, I was like, okay, yeah, I, I, I like, the pacing of this film and that I feel like when they had these comical moments, they were very intentional and I appreciated that. So I just, from a, you know, like whatever the director was thinking when they put this together, uh, I I'm on board with it. Yeah. I, I, I watched this movie probably when I was like 16, the first time I think my mom showed it to me and, and it's interesting I've probably watched it about six times since then because I've shown it to people and uh, I I would love also to see a modern retelling of it. And a lot of it's because aside from the societal stuff that's changed, how much filmmaking's improved in the sense of a mystery story, because this is a great mystery story. It is. Mm-hmm. And I think people, a lot of people that would see it nowadays wouldn't get the same impact from it because the twists are not sharp. Like they don't, they've kind of blunted all the twists a little bit instead of it being like this big reveal moment. It like comes out in a scene of dialogue yeah, in very gradually. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to see a modern retelling of it just for that, because I think, uh, modern movies have set people up to expect this sharp sharpness to the twists that wouldn't be hard to do with the storyline at all. Uh, it would just be a matter of direction and and editing mostly. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. That's a, that's a very well put uh, way to talk about the differences between the old and the new. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> very well spoken. Yeah. Wow. Did you have more thoughts, Brett? Um, sorry, I was just I was rereading some of the the plot points here um yeah so you know we, we kind of talk about the chemistry between the two leads i thought the um the chemistry that they they have then with the kind of the supporting cast um you were talking about text uh you know herman kind of kind of those uh 
the the villains, the bad guys who who get you know killed off one by one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I thought that was they all did really well as as well. Um, and then the when we're talking about twists, the uh, the twist with the stamps was I thought very clever, um, and they did a good job of you know uh, setting that up at the beginning with the you know. Mm-hmm comments about you know getting letters and and stuff like that so but it was very subtly done it was oh so subtle yeah it's yeah, so subtle. It great but it made sense when 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 that when the reveal came it was like oh yeah it was, it was just it enough that it, it worked, didn't come right? out it of didn't, nowhere yep. it was a oh yeah like that kid was really into getting the letters and the stamps and it's it's value in unsuspecting places i thought was was very well done. Um, yep. Very clever. Yeah. The uh, one of the things that I hadn't noticed um, in previous watchings, but I did appreciate, was that th- I feel like this movie had some. I don't know if it was like a large production budget, but the opening titles uh, for the for a nineteen sixty three film, the opening titles are remarkably well animated. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and done yeah. like it felt like a much newer film um well you know, it, it was a decade ahead of its time you do know though this movie was remat this was so popular at the time it got remastered like four or five times so yeah so i guess i don't know if uh, the original so title original are... title sequence or if so those I, were I remade. yeah i don't know if that's the original title okay. sequence or not that could be um and um when they are on the boat going going down the river and talking to each other, there are a few scenes where, or a few shots where they go under a a tunnel, right? And it's obviously like it's shot as a backdrop. Oh um, yeah, you know they're not actually on a boat <laughs> going under a tunnel, but but they've got that. But to set that scene to make it feel like they're actually in the tunnel, they the the um, audio people added reverberation to the audio so that when they're as they're going under the tunnel and they're talking to each other, it sounds like their voices are echoing around. It's way overdone, (laughs) but, but, um, but you know, like, and as they exit the tunnel, it fades off and goes away. And, uh, obviously somebody was like, Oh, I know how to help set atmosphere for this scene. We're gonna, we're gonna, you know, adjust the sound and do this delayed echo reverb thing to make it sound like they're going under the tunnel uh, or under the bridge. I keep saying tunnel under the bridge. And, uh, I just thought that was really clever and I hadn't noticed that in previous viewings of the film. Yeah. But I, I liked it. Um, Brett, did you, I'm, I'm curious at what point in the movie did you suspect that, uh, the Walter Matthau character, was not who he claimed to be like because i honestly i've I've forgotten like it i Um, saw this movie 15 years ago and so i know to suspect him but i'm curious like how how long that lasted for you yeah um oh gosh it I don't know if I had a 
particular moment, I think um, as soon as uh, Cary Grant's character started having aliases, I kind of figured... I, I kind of thought every everyone may be suspect to mm-hmm. you know not being who they say they are right um and obviously the the further you get into the other supporting characters dying the the more likely it is to be the the Walter Matthau character yeah yeah um as Carson die you know he's the he's dial um and uh yeah so I don't know if I if I could point out one specific moment okay it's fun it's funny because the first time i watched it i remember thinking when you first see him and he's having the conversation with uh audrey hepburn's character it just doesn't make a lot of sense like the government it's like we can't help you unless you get us that money it's like oh, that's, yeah <laughs> that doesn't really sound like the way they would handle that mm-hmm. yeah but, well, but you but you just kind of like whatever it's it's a movie and you just kind of let it go yeah yeah, and they play off of her naivete about it, right? Yeah. Like it just it wouldn't work if she were savvy about it. Yeah. Um which is probably another one of those, you know, uh ginger problems in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But um Yeah, I I I do remember though that like it was a while before I thought, wait, I'm like, what about that guy? But one of the things I did like about this film is that it, it, maybe it is when they start using the aliases, but there's a certain point where you suspect everyone, which is effectively mm-hmm. as useful as suspecting nobody, right? Like, right, right. It sort of, it sort of <laughs> you have um, this moment where it could be anybody, and maybe it is Audrey Hepburn, <laughs> and you're not sure, right? Like, yeah. I think it does a fantastic job of making you fully suspect everybody in the cast and it that gets you engaged and you want to watch it and you want to find out. And so when somebody does die, you're like, Oh, well obviously it wasn't that guy, but it might be any of the others. Mm-hmm. Um, the Audrey Hepburn suspicion sort of wanes, you know, as you go through the film and it, see her cause you're the, she's the one that you're following. Right. But, um, yeah, as your point of con, as your point of contact, she yeah. naturally becomes less a, less of a suspicion. Yeah. Although I think they did a good job of of, I think I had a I held on to suspicion for her for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it, they, it's not that you even had suspicion as much as when you found the stamps were gone, you were like, ah, like I can believe this. You know, yeah, like like I didn't actively suspect her up until that point. But mm. then I was like, oh, was she playing them all along? I would totally buy that. Yeah. And then and then it's not the case. But yeah, um, there were definitely a few shots like it, it does have a mix of old style blocking and, and framing um, in the in the filmography. But there are definitely some scenes that felt a lot more modern. I, I really liked the one when she walks into the the apartment and it's all just, you know, completely empty and she's walking around and opening different doors. And I was trying to pay attention to how they, they blocked all the shots. Yeah. And, um, that felt like a much more modern movie to me, like something about it. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, 
but yeah i mean they they, they had some very impressive sets for the time like yeah. the hotel especially mm-hmm. um where it's an actual like fully functioning set it's not just we've got this one view yeah. of this of this room which was very common back then yeah and you contrast that with like the funeral scene which basically felt straight yes. out of a screenplay <laughs> yes yep <laughs> or uh, it's not a screenplay i mean a play uh, yeah. a stage play is what i meant to say yeah um i did like with the funeral scene when when it's this somber moment this this gets to the like you know little bits of humor that you're not expecting right like mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that scene gradually gets more and more ridiculous as it goes yep. and it definitely sort of catches you by surprise but also then keeps you engaged um i thought that was a very clever way to introduce all these characters yeah um and then the final scene the the shootout scene right where there's the the columns and stuff it felt very yeah. like james bond um there's something about you know the symmetry and and the the geometry of all, all the columns and stuff it just it lent itself to a visually interesting scene even if it wasn't shot the same way that a modern movie would be shot i still think those it held up and they found a really um intriguing way to to show off that set and have the characters yeah. interact with it well and they also did it i thought they did a really good job in that in that scene of retaining um tension while doing a lot of exposition because mm-hmm. um, that is kind of where you you figure out almost who everyone actually yeah, is most of the cards are down <laughs> on the table yeah right um but there's this you know uh you know, Cary Grant's character is kind of trying to like move around the Walter Matthau character as Walter Matthau is trying to convince um, Audrey Hepburn to like that, that that she should trust him and yeah, and yeah. just visually, I thought it, they did a good job of despite there not being a ton of movement in that two minutes um, of characters, the camera movement was enough to really keep that tension high yeah yeah and then i liked how it ended with the uh you know the trap door in the mm-hmm. in the the, in the theater the theater i thought that was just yeah. fantastic it goes on a little long but um i it's 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 a fresh thing and i feel like i haven't really seen that done in movies you know e- even now i can't think about any other scenes um, I'm sure there are. I just not off the top of my head. It's, it's not a trope at this point, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, I think I could have probably done with the without the <laughs> the final couple things. Uh, I I love everything up to the reveal of you know that that he actually is uh, Brian Krushank. Um, but then there's like there's the weird like proposal. And then this like split screen thing. And she's saying something about wanting to have lots of kids. So we can name, name them after you. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) We need to end 60 seconds ago. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. But it certainly did not ruin the movie. No, I, I, I really think that they could do a, wonderful remake of this film a modern retelling would be yeah, absolutely with, with a, be great. a stronger um more i don't know not 
more savvy female character, female yes. lead, right? Well, um, and, and and honestly, for the time, she's a pretty savvy lead. Right. So I think to modernize it, you'd have to make her savvy because that's what makes her likable is that yep. she's actually fairly clever throughout the movie. It's just that they, it's the bar set so low, so unfortunately. Low. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if they, if they come out with a modern version of it, I will be, I'll be watching, but I, I think Ryan Johnson needs to direct it for sure. That would be great. Not just because he's Brett's favorite director. <laughs> Look, you can give Ryan Johnson any property. I'll be excited about it. Oh, and speaking of property, this is fascinating. Uh, when looking up this film, apparently before so before 1978 when there's a big u.s um united states copyright law that went into effect in 1978 and at that point any any works that you create are automatically copyrighted but before that point you had to specifically declare copyright and if you didn't then what you were be what you made went into the public domain and they accidentally did not put the word copyright or the copyright symbol or shorthand <laughs> version of copyright on oh, the no. film. All it says is, you know, the MCM, you know, 1963, um, like the studio name, you know, and the director name, but it doesn't say copyright anywhere. And so the movie's actually in the public domain from the moment it was released. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> Which just like, What? I cannot believe that. So uh, that, you that can would find not be a mistake made today. No, no, and 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 you know, I, I think this is probably one of those things that went into the you know overhaul of the U.S. copyright system um, in the seventies. But you can find the full film on YouTube. Um, <laughs> you know, no ads and uncut. So it's kind of That's fascinating. Funny. Yeah, um, the soundtrack is copyrighted, but the like music. If you if you want the Henry Mancini music outside of the film, that's copyright. But the movie itself is not. Yeah, hmm. I also liked the the score for this. I thought it was was pretty good. It didn't stand out to me as like anything particular, but sometimes that's a blessing. Like you don't yeah. want it sticking out like a red, you know, sore thumb. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So. What movie are we going to do in two weeks? Next Ooh. fortnight. Mm. Mm. So I think I picked this one. So I think, uh, I think Brett, I think you're up. Aren't is you? Is it my turn? I, I think it is my turn. I, yeah, feel, like, I feel like Timothy Tim had the first few. Yeah, it did. Well, yeah. Well, maybe I don't know who picked Logan Lucky. That was me. I, that was Timothy. All right, it's Brett's Brett's pick. So we have a list here, or you can think oh, of something man. else. Tune in, tune in next episode to hear what we pick. <laughs> I'll pick something before we record our next episode, but uh, but anyone who listens won't know until the next episode. Oh man! Wow, kind of kind of make us wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna find I'm gonna find something. It's a cliffhanger something, if I ever heard of one. Something a little more obscure, I think. That's gonna be my goal. I don't know, I have some pretty obscure stuff on here. 
Uh, we do. No, we do. We do. Right, but it's his Half pick. of it's Ryan Johnson, so. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> no, it's not. I love it. I love it. To be fair, it's just under half. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Primer? Primer doesn't count. Primer's a... <laughs> it's a... He's kind we of like... about Primer. Yeah, he's kind of a, like a no-name... Like two weeks ago. No-name no guy, because he... I remember we talked about it a few weeks ago, but I didn't know who directed it. Oh. Let me see. Let me see if I can tell it. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. You guys have both seen Dark City, yes? No, I, I have haven't not. actually. Oh my god! All right, that's I my know, next, well, that's my next know, pick. We know the one <laughs> Michael's going to pick next. So Abs- it's a fruit Shane Carruth, who hasn't really done anything else. <laughs> Like one known, hit, that's known that's for so, one hit wonders. Yep. You know, as long yeah, they known. F- he's got three director credits, including Primer. So, and, and and none of them you've heard of aside from Primer. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for listening. And uh, next week we'll have your movie night homework assignment. That's right. Timothy doesn't want to say goodbye. Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye, everyone. (laughs) I miss you till next time. that the most awkward outro ever <laughs> yes it was yes and that's okay. like, don't you effing edit it i was like why are we being so quiet <laughs> <laughs> oh i love it i love it michael's trying to keep us professional we're so over just, here like I've given just up. giggling so just you know cary grant was 59 during filming he looks really 20, good for 59 he looks really good for 59 years older than audrey hepburn Wait, that means Audrey Hepburn's my age. Yeah. To his credit, though, I know for a fact Cary Grant was uncomfortable about the age difference. Was he really? Yeah.